Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about saving the best and burning the rest. Yes, and we are not alone. Today we are joined by the legendary Jin Ha. I don't know about the legendary part. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hey. So good to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those of you, oh, those of our listeners who may not know who you are? Sure. Yes, my name is Jin Ha, and I'm a pastor at the Melbourne City Adventist Church in Melbourne, Australia. But as you can tell from my accent, I am not from Australia originally. I was born in South Korea and then immigrated to the US when I was eight, lived there for the rest of my life, began doing ministry, pastoral ministry in America. Also met my husband at Andrews, and we moved to Australia in August 2012, and we've been here ever since. And now we're dual citizens of America and Australia. Lucky us. Oh, cool. Congratulations. That's exciting. I've got to say, your pronunciation of Melbourne is flawless. You have oh, like thanks. perfectly adopted it. <laughs> yes. It was one of the words I had to get right that I got here. Yeah. Yeah. Not yep. this American Melbourne. Yeah. Just we allow it, but man, it does. It's just it's like rubbing rubbing hair the wrong way. It's just <laughs> anyway. So great job. Yep. <laughs> so you and your husband in Melbourne right now. You got a family. You're doing ministry, Jin Hart. Sounds like a crazy life that you lead. Um, tell us a little bit about your ministry and and your family. What are you up to right now? Yeah, so yeah, it, it is a lot of, to juggle. So we started this church plant in 2012 with eight people and over the years it's grown, which is fantastic. And so over the years, Roy and I have had different churches and roles as well. So at the moment, Roy is the church planting director for the Victorian Conference. And so that's what he does half time. And he also is, he does a point one at Melbourne City Avenue Church as well. I'm there full time. And next year, he'll probably have a different role as well. He was studying, he was doing his his master's as well in global leadership. He's going to pause for a moment and go back to work full time because things are really expensive right now. So we're like, we need dual income again. (laughs) (laughs) That's our plan for next year. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, yeah, cool. Tell us a bit about your church plant. I always like hearing about church plants. And it sounds like, what, so it's like in the city? So we were in the city. When we started in, we started the church services in 2013, actually really 2014 February is when we started having weekly services. And basically we, like I said, we started with eight people and the first year we had small groups in our home. We used to live in the city. If you've ever been to Melbourne, right next to Flagstaff Gardens, we used to have a little unit there, but then it got really expensive. So we had to move out. Mm, And so we used to have small groups there and then basically God provided us we needed a place to, to to rent for Saturday mornings, and we prayed, God, we have $2,000, and that's all we've got, and places were wanting $500 a week for wow. rental, and we that's, what, one month <laughs> and so yeah. of, of, of having services, so we prayed, God, give us a free venue in, this, in the CBD of Melbourne, and then that week, Roy was catching up with a friend that he knew from Melbourne who was a businessman, and Roy was just sharing about how we're, we're here in Melbourne trying to planted church for young professionals in the city, trying to reach secular people and former Adventists, et cetera. 
And the guy said, oh, I've got office space in, in the CBD. Do you want to have a look? And so Roy followed him to 500 Collins Street, went up to the 10th floor, the lifts opened, and the guy was renting the entire floor. And there was a meeting room that could fit 60 people, a little kitchenette, Whoa. little dining area with tables. It's an IT company, so they have all the AV equipment. And so we were like, ah, it's perfect. How oh. much? <laughs> and he turned and said, don't worry about it. He Whoa. said, people like me are looking for people like you to do God's work. Wow. wow. That is incredible. So we were there for seven and a half years, rent-free. We were there every Saturday. We had storage there. We did Bible studies in the evenings because people would work in the CBD and then come over and do Bible studies in the evenings. Um, it was just a fantastic space and they were very generous to us. Then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And of course, being an IT company, post-pandemic, people want to work from home. And so they decided to down downsize their floor space. And we said thank you. And we're very grateful for all they did. And it was time for us to move out as well. And we did move out. And we were planning on doing a center of influence, but it didn't quite work out. And so we are literally kind of in transition. So at the moment, we're renting the North Fitzroy Seventh-day Adventist Church in the afternoons. So it's still inner city, but we're in that transition mode where we're playing and, th and thinking about what's next. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we have, for the past few years, have been renting there and having lots of praying and discussing and meeting to talk about where to from here. And I did ask God this time, I said, okay, we've got some money now. We've got more money than before. So I, I didn't ask God for a free space, but I did ask God for an affordable venue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're, um, yeah, we're still looking for a good place to meet. Mm. Mm. If you were to describe to somebody like the heart and soul of the church, the, yeah. I suppose in marketing terms, you'd say like the story brand, what would that look like? How would you describe it to somebody, the, that story? Yeah. So our church premise is on Actually, the idea that the Adventist movement began with people who had questions and were willing to explore and think outside the box. And so one of our favorite quotes by Ellen White is that statement that truth can afford to be fair. And so we really value being able to explore our questions. And so our tagline for our church is loving God, loving people, and exploring, creating a safe space where you can explore a Christ-centered worldview. And so mm. that's really important for us to have that, create that safe space. And so because we began this church for young professionals, for individuals who are unchurched, for people who have, and we have always had in the past 10 years as a church, people who have never been to church before. Wow. And so we really um, value creating that safe space where there is no judgment, where you can come as you are, where any question is welcome. And so one of the key aspects of our church is that we have our service, we have two parts to our service. We've got the sermon first, and then after the sermon, we have a 30-minute time of discussion where we have pre-written questions, and then in our discussion tables, we discuss the questions, and the questions are meant to be open-ended. They're meant to be critical thinking, but also inviting people from various perspectives to engage and dialogue with the content. And so... When we present as well in our sermons, we never presume that people know the Bible or that they're Christian. And also we propose this is what the Christ-centered worldview of this topic or idea is, but we welcome people to, to push back and to engage with that. And if necessary, 
challenge. And, and we're, we're very comfortable with that. And so the ethos of our church and the values are very much open-mindedness and critical thinking and inclusivity and being able to, we believe very much that the Bible has universal truths that are relevant to us today. And that if people see the value of it, they don't have to be compelled into it by us pushing them towards doctrines, but they will be compelled to it because they see the beauty of Christ and they see the beauty of truth and they want to learn about it. And so it's a journey that we want to walk alongside them with. Yeah, that's, I think, the culture of our church. Yeah, that's powerful. Preach, yeah. pastor. Yeah, that's <laughs> really good. Yeah, just, I don't know. I really love hearing like when somebody shares about their church and like where they are and then they share like, this is what we're like. And I'm like, that fits Perfectly. Like to me, that sounds like exactly what Melbourne City needs. So, mm. yeah, that's so cool. So great to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I get, I'd love to just keep hearing more about it. But I get <laughs> the big purpose of this episode. And I think part of constantly being trying to figure out ways to reach the world, to connect with people, is learning how to use the latest tools and technologies that come out. And yeah. Me and Jinha had a really interesting conversation and a good few laughs earlier this year playing around with ChatGPT at our <laughs> ministers' meetings. But I just remember like this kind of, a few of us talking, just this conversation around AI and ministry. And I just thought, that's, I don't know, I think there's a lot of really interesting, yeah, I guess like AI, there's so many new tools coming out. It feels like every week I'm hearing about like yeah, some right. new use of AI and some new tool. And I guess as like, People who work for church, so often the church is so far behind with technology. But I feel like with this, a lot of churches are actually really jumping on really quick, which is cool. A lot of like people who work for the church. So it's really exciting to see. And so what I was hoping, this, at least the three of us, would just have a bit of a round table and a chat about how each of us are using, how each of us are using some like AI tools and what we're seeing, what the future could look like, even just some ideas, how we've seen other people around us using it too, and just some of the cool things we've been seeing with it. Yeah, maybe, yeah, Jinha, do you want to start us off with some of the ways that, yeah, yeah. you've been using? Sure. Um, so like I said, we have discussion time. And mm -hmm. over the years, we've always had a discussion question team, teams that would generate the questions. But to be perfectly honest with you, there are times, and they're love, they're so lovely that they wait for us to give them the sermon outline, and then they yeah. come up with really fantastic questions. But to be honest, sometimes Roy and I aren't able to get it to them by Wednesday. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> uh, one of the things that we've discovered thanks to chat GPT is that if we're running behind on schedule and we don't want to give it to them so last minute, but if I upload the entire sermon or the outline or whatever I have on chat GPT and ask it to generate 10 discussion questions that are open-minded, critical thinking questions for young professionals of various backgrounds, and then within seconds, it generates 10 questions. And then I can choose from them five really good ones, or it'll at least give me some ideas on how to generate them or to edit them to make them better. And AI can't replace the human brain. And of course, I'd much rather have our members engaging with it and coming up with the questions. But it's nice to have the chat GPT as a backup mm. those weeks when. And also, it's nice because sometimes our discussion team people are sick or away or really busy. And it's nice to be able to have that option as well. So it's been really great because it learns as you are inputting more things. I can actually give them examples of questions from the past and say, can you make it like this? Or I can say, can you make a few of them more of an icebreaker? And then five of them really 
you know, critical thinking ones and then a few application ones and I can specify and it'll give me what I want. Oh, that's cool. Mm. I don't know if you have it. Do you, do you have any, I'm curious if you have any of them handy. Do you have any questions that? Yes, if you go to lincityadventist.org, I'll just pull it out now. And then under the sermon tab, there's a discussion questions. So, for example, the one that I just preached on last week, and actually in my sermon, I talked about the use of AI at the podcast. I'll tell you about it later. But anyway, so this sermon was about how to hear God. So I had put in to the chat GPT, hey, this is the outline of what I'm going to be preaching on. Can you come up with some questions? And pretty much, I edited a little bit, but you can see the seven questions there. For example, the one that it gave me was, I was talking about, I might as well mention it now. So I had, last week, I listened to a podcast by Dr. Karen Bucker. And she wrote a book about bioacoustics. Basically, she has studied how humans, we can't hear certain sounds because it's outside of our you know, hearing range, but how nature, lots of creatures make sounds like turtles. You would think they're very quiet, but actually it turns out that they make sounds. And so wow. AI is now being used to not only detect, but decode the sounds and they can oh. come up with patterns. And there's like a dictionary of like elephant language and they Whoa, can what? identify. Yeah. So when the elephant makes a certain noise, they know that noise means that the elephant just had a baby or it's incredible. Whoa. It's a fascinating TED talk that came out last week. So I was listening to that and I incorporated that into my sermon about how to hear God because yeah, there are sounds we can't hear and how to. Anyway, so in that, I gave that outline. And so the AI ChatGPT generated for me the question, nature communicates using sounds we cannot hear. How does this revelation impact our view of nature and of our place in creation? And then I talked about Balaam and how God opened the donkey's mouth. And, right. um, oh. and so then the, the ChatGPT asked the question, Balaam had multiple opportunities to hear and obey God, but he allowed his desires to cloud his judgment. In what areas of your life do you struggle to surrender and obey God fully? Oh, what a question. You cultivate wow. a heart that is willing to submit to his will. Mm. Oh, this is a good question. Yeah, yeah. this is a good question. Really and so like I said, I've, I obviously I talked about that in my sermon outline, which I uploaded. So it, it reads and it does it in seconds. And it was like a nine pages of content that I uploaded. And I said, give me 10 questions. And within seconds, I had questions that I was then able to post and well, yeah. yeah they're pretty good questions eh yeah <laughs> i'm a little bit distracted by the thought of a turtle having making a sound like a t-rex from jurassic park <laughs> or something like that that's what actually, i hope they really sound like so when they put the microphone it actually does sound like a dinosaur <gasps> if you do you want to hear it yeah a <laughs> yeah, little may, bit may as well yeah <laughs> i was thinking i don't know if you remember that old like youtube video of that Totally eating a strawberry. This is like, oh, yeah, yeah, the really like high pitch sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like happy food sound. Yeah, but I'm guessing this will sound a bit different. I'll, I'll pull up while I'm pulling that up. Something else that I use ChatGPT for is obviously for social media. If I want to, every week we upload our sermon topic and we put a little thing on social media. So on Facebook and Instagram. And sometimes I'll ask ChatGPT to write me a hook. Oh. Right. So I'll say, this is the topic, write me a hook, for example, with hearing God. And it'll say, it'll say, have you ever struggled to listen to God's, you know, to, to find God's will for your life? And it'll pull out emoticons as well. And I can, <laughs> I can even tell it to find me uh, three relevant and popular um, hashtags to go with the 
post and it'll Whoa. give them to me as well. That's related to the post. And so, yeah, it's actually really helpful to, um, awesome. it just saves time, you know, for little things mm. like that. I could yeah. sit there for 10 minutes and write a little caption or I can take five seconds. And I think that's one of the big things when it comes to pastors, especially, or people who are creating spiritual content. There gets a point, there gets, we often get to a point where we've put so much of our heart and soul into the message or the Bible study or whatever, that coming up with some of those extra little things that just make it that much more interesting can be Mm -hmm. really challenging. Um, Yeah. All right, I'm going to play the sound of this turtle. Let's see if you can hear it. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it's, very, it's a little wobbly, but yeah. <laughs> it's great. The, the fascinating thing about that is that's not even the sound of the turtle. That's the sound of the turtle embryo. They thought that these South American river turtles, they thought the mother abandoned the nest and left. What they discovered is that the mother communicates to the embryos inside their nest before she leaves them, almost like telling them where she's going to go. And then the that's the sound of the uh, embryos actually communicating with each other to coordinate when they're going to hatch so that they can hatch at the same time so they would have strength in numbers as they crawl out to the sea. And then the mother uh, apparently calls out to them and they call out to each other so that they can actually meet back up in the sea. So that, isn't that amazing? And they only discovered this like a couple years ago. And so wow. thanks to AI and the technology that's evolved where they can not only detect, like I said, but actually decode and make sense of the information that they're getting. Wow. That, that is incredible. That's it's amazing that turtle embryos can chat to each other. All right, we're gonna we're gonna hatch in fourteen hours. <laughs> but I still wish they had a better strategy for like why do they have to do a whole like horrific beach run in the first place where they get eaten by seagulls and what, you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> first, anyway yeah. but pretty amazing yeah that's, wow that's incredible man i need to like stand up after that that was great okay part of the ecosystem wow okay <laughs> okay okay one thing do you write your sermons verbatim like do you write i do i write i do write them verbatim that's always been how i've done it 18 years of ministry yes. and yeah so when i and that's why well, usually when i give the sermon to the discussion team i don't give them that i'll give them yeah. An outline because who's going to read nine, 10 pages of content? Yeah. I don't want to put that on them. And so I usually <laughs> just give them an outline, a one page outline. But when I put it to chat GPT, I do upload my 10 pages. And I guess that's why the kind of questions I get can also be very precisely yeah. along my sermon more. Yeah. Yeah. That is like a huge advantage. You know what I mean? The fact that you write your sermons verbatim because I can't, I really struggle to write verbatim. I just, I don't know, my brain just really, like I can write parts i know parts that i'm going to say that i have to say that verbatim but the rest i like really struggle to actually put my thoughts down on page mm, i'd uh, imagine that doing it that way would not allow you to create as precise uh, sessions which i mean there's advantages and disadvantages to this i'm much more like you jinha i have to do verbatim in fact josh and i once tag team <laughs> preached at a big camp once and i was like in my room agonizing over my message every day and josh was like looking at his scrawled notes on one single page and being like yep i've got half an hour worth of content here and i'm just like i hate you (laughs) roy and i we tag team preach several times as well and he doesn't do it verbatim he'll have an outline and he has a lot of the thoughts on paper but yeah we're very different preachers as well so (laughs) that can be fun (laughs) (laughs) different styles but coming back to the ai and like talking about data analysis with bioacoustics 
So I actually use data analysis as well with the AI, so with ChatGPT. So something that ChatGPT can do is it can analyze information very quickly. As I mentioned before, our church is in transition at the moment of what do we do? So we actually had sent out a questionnaire, a survey to get some input about what factors are important when considering the event, things like parking or public transport, ground floor access, children's rooms. So we had, I don't know, maybe 15 different factors. And we asked people to to give us their top five. Mm. Give us their top five. Now, if you have to sit there as a human being and go through every answer that people gave and plot out what those mean, it would take a long time. Yeah. But I took the answers that were on Google form, copied and pasted it onto ChatGPT and asked ChatGPT to analyze the data. And then within seconds, it told me, hey, out of all your respondents and all their factoring in their preferences, because they listed them as one versus two, three, four, five, it, it analyzed it quickly and said, based on all this, here's are the top three to five factors that are important to your church. And it was able to spit that out really quickly. And so that that kind of or even attendance data, mm. I could put in, hey, here's the attendance numbers for the past quarter, analyze the data, and it'll tell me, oh, on these weeks, we're the highest, or on these weeks, there's a trend here. So it's just really helpful. It's like having a little crunching calculator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's free and available. So yeah, that's another way that I use it for ministry. Wow. Yeah, I never thought about using it for like data crunching because often you have to know all the right formulas and whatever to get that data like properly done yeah which I'd... chuck it in a spreadsheet and do a bunch of formulas yeah and i don't know formulas i'm not a spreadsheet kind of guy <laughs> so, yeah yeah i think that's the cool thing about ask chat gpt for the formula for this that's true oh my goodness see yeah. this see this is this is this is the thing you can ask chat gpt to do almost anything and i think a lot of people just so intimidated by that of there's so many possibilities i don't even know where to start sort of thing mm. no it's really creative that's awesome what other ways are you using ai is it mostly chat gpt or are you employing other things in your ministry i'm not using any paid Things And so obviously, even with ChatGPT, I'm using the free version, not the paid version, because I think with the paid version, you get like graphs and you get more things. And I think with the, I know that some people use the image generating graphics things, but a lot of them are paid ones. And the free ones I have tried and they're okay, but they're not great. And so I haven't really used those. I use Canva Mm. for my graphics needs. um, And Canva does have an AI component. (laughs) Yes. um, it's not great yet. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I gave I, it a go. Yeah, um, I, I was trying. I was trying to do this. We we're doing this sermon series on Jonah, and so I, I was try. I was like, I was curious. I was just like, because I thought it's a very visual theme, and it's gonna. It should be really easy for it to just pump something out. And so I was just like, oh yeah, do a like, what was it? A sermon, a sermon presentation template on Jonah, and the series was called the Belly of the Fish. And it was horrific. It was like, <laughs> like all the pictures were of these like gutted fish in fish markets and that oh, kind of thing. Not exactly <laughs> like, the right. No, vibe. no. What? What is this? Yeah, I was, yeah. Um, or like somewhere okay. Like it was like a page with a splash of water, but it just looked ugly. I don't yeah. know. So I'll maybe try again with the something else but yeah i wasn't too pumped on canvas ai but i'm sure like all ai it'll get better and better yeah yeah and yeah because i'm not willing to pay yet the first yeah. <laughs> services i know what exists but i'm not 
I don't need it yet. And so I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting for the yeah. free ones to get better or for those things to get cheaper. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Which yeah. One first. <laughs> Look, I will say that here at Adventist Media, like I work in the editorial team. So we work on Record and Signs of the Times magazine. And we have used mostly, we started off using Dali, which was free. And Dali was okay, but not amazing. Then we started using Midjourney, and Midjourney was probably the tool that helped us do AI art the most effectively. I don't know if a lot of people have picked up on this, but most, not all, but I'd say, or maybe about 50% of our covers for our record issues since about May, the first issue in May, have been AI generated. So the first one we did was of King Charles. That was the one that came out around the coronation weekend. And that was AI generated. We Looked amazing. Yeah. It's a great cover. Yeah. Midjourney seems to be the AI art generator that is the most effective in terms of getting exactly what you want. However, it is not without its flaws. For instance, it's very hard, and this is going to sound bizarre. It's very hard to generate ugly people on Midjourney. Okay. The reason why, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say ugly people. I should say just normal looking people because- <laughs> Photoshop's looking- yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. looks like they're in a Balenciaga ad, almost. <laughs> they look like they're on the runway. Well, that, it's drawing, I think, because of the way that it draws on the data when it comes to photography, when it comes to visual graphic design, it's drawing on the most popular stuff. And the most popular stuff tends to be the highly stylized and also the beautiful stuff. Generating normal-looking people is really difficult, but it's really good at generating very beautiful looking people. But again, it's all to do with the prompts and what you feed it because at the end of the day, none of it is original, just like with ChatGPT. It's just drawing on what already exists out there on the internet. So Yeah, yeah. which isn't always true because I think that's something that we discovered quickly is that it will just make stuff up based on... Yeah. I think now they add disclaimers saying, hey, not everything might be factual. Like this is made up and because I remember when I first uh, found out about it I was like oh this is great I can use it as like almost like your research assistant uh, for sermons I would ask give me 10 books or references that talk about this topic and then I can go and look those up and then I realized oh it's making up references um, whoa <laughs> like, these are not real books wow <laughs> and so that was good to re recognize, and yeah. I think that's important to put out there, that you do have to keep in mind that not everything on there is factual because it's drawn from the internet and not everything on the internet is true. And yeah, and it also, I think the way that it generates information is that it extra extrapolates. So that's not always factual either. It's pretty interesting. Even watching the art generator make hands or try and make hands, yeah. it always stuffs up hands. Yep, every <laughs> single time. Yeah, <laughs> but there has been some... Yeah, I, I think, and that's the thing, you need that human eye to go over it, whether it's yeah. art yes, or whether it's like information, you need to look over it and check, does all of this look or yeah. all of this actually, because that's the thing with, like when I've seen people do art on mid-journey, like they'll look over the art mm -hmm. and then like they'll see it and like mm -hmm. it's pretty good and then they'll see like the hands are a bit messed up. So then they'll take it and then they'll fix the hands or whatever yeah. in Photoshop. They'll fix some of the depth and, and all that kind of thing. And that's when it actually becomes something that looks really good is when it's had that. Yeah, it gives you a base level to start, but then to really make something great, it actually still very much needs that human eye to go over it mm. and to fix it. 
and that human skill. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that technology, it's all a tool, right? But ultimately, it's human beings who are able to really create and Mm -hmm. be able to engage with people. I think technology should be used in ministry because it saves time and it's able to give you a time then to focus on what really matters, which is people and being able to connect with people. Mm. Yeah, so true. Yeah, uh, even in in the chaplaincy space, like at a school, it's been pretty interesting. Just like testing out different ways to use it. We often need to come up with lots of really, really random, simple, short form, like spiritual content. Mm. I've got to go to this class and do a little devotion. I've got to, or like this kid wants to get involved in chapel, but they're like, I don't know how to pray. So you got to write them out a prayer or something mm. like that. It's just constantly coming up with random little things like that. But the time save has been amazing. Just in, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't 100% use it blindly, but the first time I used it for, cha- we had this chapel and I asked these girls to pray. They rock up literally five minutes before it starts. I'm like, hey, you girls ready to pray? Like, oh yeah, have you written out a set of prayer? And I'm like, um, no, <laughs> I didn't know you needed one. And they're like, oh yeah, if you could just write us one out. And I was just like, I don't have time. And I remember like my friend was saying that, oh, he'd been using it. And I was just like, I haven't made an account. Quickly open your laptop. And I just like quickly wrote this thing. I'll write a prayer for teenagers based on this theme. And it wrote out this huge, like it wrote, it was massive. And I was just like, no. And I like took the first two paragraphs and edited them a little bit and then just copied it onto a note and gave it to the girls. I think I'll put it like, yeah. And we, yeah, we airdropped it from the laptop and yeah. And they it, like people afterwards, wow, that was like one of the best student prayers. It's no, like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I put an edit on, but most of that was definitely chat GPs. And I felt weird. I felt weird doing having an AI write a prayer. But at, when you look at it, I was like, it's a good prayer. Like it needed, definitely yeah. needed some adjusting. But like after the adjustment, I was like, this is a nice prayer. Like yeah. it had just aggregated other written prayers online and wow. made this great little prayer. But it was super handy. Like in the end, it was a win. I saved time. The girls prayed a great prayer. It created a great spiritual atmosphere. No theological laws were broken, presumably. That's the thing. I'm like, it felt weird to do. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just, it's a tool. It's like if I Googled prayers yeah. and then read someone else's prayer and then wrote my own. It's essentially the same thing, which, mm. yeah. But it, yeah, so it was like everybody won from it. So it's a really, but it was a really weird moment. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a tool, the, I guess it's, yeah, learning how to use it. The, the ethics of using AI is is still very much an evolving conversation. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, Jinha, but it's definitely something that we've been yeah. grappling with here. I think, I, yeah, I have been thinking about it a little bit because like when I preach, for example, you want to give references and you want to say where you got things from and give people their due. So I guess it is appropriate when times to say, hey, this was generated by an AI or um, when it comes to ethics, like even... Dr. Karen Bakker, who I mentioned before with the bioacoustics, she talks about ethics a lot as well. Just for example, coral reefs emit sounds, apparently, that we didn't know before, okay. but now we do. And yeah. coral reefs that are healthy emit certain sounds, and, and then the dying ones are very quiet. And so now they're playing loud, loudspeaker, stereo, underwater soundtracks of healthy reefs to attract and, and regrow and repopulate the dying reefs in the Great Barrier Reef, which is awesome. But she was just talking mm-hmm. about how the ethics of it is that what if somebody takes like sounds of things to hunt or to lure creatures instead mm-hmm. of helping them? Like the ethics of that is huge and there isn't anything in place yet. We haven't caught up. Society hasn't caught up to the technology when it comes to yeah. laws, when it comes to policies. And so there's think- like no Geneva Convention for AI. 
Yeah. So I think when it comes to ministry, we have our own kind of ethics to abide by in all things, not just with AI, but I guess in general, we have to give right attributions. But also, like I said, we know when we are doing the wrong things, if we're not, for example, like I wouldn't write, I wouldn't ask ChatGPT to write me a sermon yeah. and, and then go and preach that only without, and then not say, hey, this was by mm, ChatGPT. Mm. I would I might use aspects of it, but yeah, I think there is a line that we probably need to discuss at some point about what it means to to use tools in a way that helps us in ministry, but doesn't actually replace what we our job description of what we're supposed to do as well. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a certain level of naivete, perhaps, when it comes to the discussion around using AI, especially when it comes to content, because let's say written content or like verbal content, because in years past, we, if we're giving a talk or we're giving some sort of study or whatever, we have to draw on the Bible. We have to draw on books. We have to draw on journal articles, potentially. We have to do all that work ourselves. And people just accept that, okay, that's just part of the process. If you're a researcher, you research. But then when it comes to using ChatGPT, for instance, for generating content or aggregating content or bringing content into a yeah, solidified form, suddenly, oh, that's unethical or that's wrong or that's not okay to do when it's just, in my mind, it feels like it's the next logical step from manually going and finding sources and taking out excerpts and using that to craft an argument in a talk or a publication or something like that. I'm not saying that we should do it, as you say, mindlessly and just use ChatGPT for everything verbatim. But I do think that there is a lot of value in cutting down some of that time that we would um, otherwise be spending old school, trawling through a library or a research institute or something like that. Yeah. And I think good content, compelling content is always going to be personal. People are going to want to hear real stories. And that's something that AI can't produce. The things that the AI can help you with, hopefully are things that, yeah, you can share without compromising on the real core of the message, which always has to be based on real lived experiences, right? Yeah. I think at the moment for me, my my sweet spot for it is more using it as like a brainstorming tool, I think. is So, for example, I was writing a title for a message and I just couldn't, I couldn't title my message something. I'm very picky about the titles for my messages and I just couldn't figure it out. And I was just like, oh, maybe I'll just try it. So, I just, I just wrote my title and asked ChatGPT. I was like, give me 10 alternative poetic titles to this message. And most of them were garbage, but three of them were quite like cool. And I ended up just like looking at all of those and it gave me enough, oh, like different ways of looking at it. They had ended up writing a new title, like just that was just the inspiration for me. Like I didn't end up using, I don't think I ended up using any of their ones, but I just wrote my own just because I had that opportunity to just see a whole lot of things based on, I don't know. Yeah. Like I found that really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just as, or even I'll write something. And I can't write it in the right way. So, I'm like, can you write this sentence differently? Or can you write this? And I find it really helpful for that. Like just alternative things to just, I don't know, stimulate my mind and give me new perspectives of it. And then challenging myself to write it again differently. Not Mm. to. That's like the sweet spot I'm finding at the moment with it. I think that I feel like I'm still writing it myself, but it's more of a helpful, I don't know, brainstorming tool. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I've done, like, I'll have sermon titles or topics, I should say, that I want to preach in the next quarter, for example. And I might ask ChatGPT, hey, can you create a sermon roster for the next quarter based on these topics? Oh, interesting. And able to just generate, you know, now the dates and the titles. And like you said, I'm not going to take all of it, but it actually breaks down for me something that I would have to sit down, look at the calendar, look at the dates, but it's able to give me that information very quickly. So, I feel like we're focusing a lot on ChatGPT because obviously that's what I think the easiest entry point for a lot of people. But I love you mentioned before that talk about is it bi- is it bioacoustics? I just the applications for AI are, are limitless. I will say that one of the things that our listeners will be experiencing as you speak, Jinha, is an AI-enhanced version of your audio. Because you're joining us through Zoom, what I will do after I've done this is run it through something called Adobe Podcast Enhance, which is an amazing tool, which will basically almost make you sound like you're sitting in the room with us with one of these $800 microphones. (laughs) It's not going to be exactly up Mm. to the same level, but it's going to be almost there, just so people know. It's, It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And it, I think it does it edit out all of our ums. And, I and have those. another tool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have another tool called Descript that has an AI generated application which will edit out all ums, ahs. So I was saying, blah blah blah. blah. It's yeah. amazing. Jesse sends me the hey, here's how many to edit out this week, and I'm like, oh, let's see if we can go for more next week. And, <laughs> and I say, just don't, just don't say um. <laughs> That's great. And and I know that churches can also use AI for having chatbots like for Facebook yeah. and other social media accounts where people can come on the website, for example, and ask a question and it'll generate answers um, based on what time does the service start and where is it? And that kind of mm. um, AI technology is very helpful because it can interact with people. And I know that some church websites have like prayer request bots um, wow. and it'll get the prayer requests of people and then it'll generate them in such a way that you can then get them in one packaged format. and. Yeah, I think there are other things that we haven't even tapped into probably yeah. that's available out there. Yeah. An- another friend of mine, he takes the church sermon, the sermon that they put on YouTube and he puts it into some tool and then it turns it into like cool little snappy Instagram reel, like scrollable sort of content and put captions on it for him. It's a paid one, but how much would you pay someone to sit there and edit those or how much of your own time would it take up to like edit yeah, wow. that like a big square video into a rectangular one and put captions on and finding the right one in a sermon considering, I don't know, you can get something pretty good out of yeah. just like throwing in these things and then all of a sudden people can hear glimpses of the message from a sermon. And then, I don't know, maybe people who would never hear the sermon can see it on their social media platform or whatever. So, yeah, some pretty Very amazing sweet. tools constantly surfacing. Yeah. And... Yeah, I'm interested in, I just want to keep hearing about how people use them. Actually, one other friend of mine, he, I think he was doing a, a series for kids on David and he had Mid Journey generate like art, like oh, kids cool. art on David, like throughout his life, like when he was young, like when he was a shepherd, when he was like a warrior, when he was all that, like through, like when he was old and all that kind of thing. And like he generated, yeah, these little, I'm like, that's so like clever and such a cool way to use it, like to just create like a visual cue for kids, like and I don't know. I guess part of me is it's, it would be great if we could just employ artists to do this, pay them for their work. But yeah. like churches don't always have money for that kind of thing, yeah. which is 
Like, obviously, it'd be and better like, for an artist to do it. But for, for us at Record and Signs, we have to pay a stock imaging company in order to use, to license their image. And there are certain images that cost hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. There is a service that one of our publications uses to license just old paintings from the 1950s and 60s. Those old paintings of Jesus coming again on the clouds or the disciples or Noah and his ark, these old, they cost mega, mega really? bucks just to license them. And for those of us who are doing this sort of physical content or like print content or even online stuff, AI can save you so much money. Ethically, there is a whole other side when it comes to art specifically. Mm. Yeah. But well, there's a whole protest going on right now. In yeah, the, exactly. In the entertainment <laughs> industry with writers and with yeah. especially specifically with the use of AI to replace yeah. those jobs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I don't know if we want to get into that, but that's a whole discussion. Is it the, I don't know if, if it's Disney or somebody else is like, saying if you can create something to replicate the likeness of a an actor and their voice will pay you $900,000 or something like that. Just insane. Something that I was also thinking about that AI could be really helpful for is with people who have disabilities or who are who just need that little bit of extra assistance. For example, with translations, like AI can do real-time translations and captions so that when you're preaching, they the individuals who are hard of hearing and have that tool, that app that listens to the preacher and gives the person real-time captions and it can wow. edit it based on Mate. because it's smart and can even hear American accents like mine and, and turn it into a text for the person who's sitting in the pews. And so I think there are ways that it can actually really help people to be more integrated into society as well. Um, and so that's an, that's an area that I would like to see more of as well for churches to think about how to include people who are um, not able to come physically or who have limitations and how we can use technology to help them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, such a great point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't even know. I got to think about this more. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think the yeah. point is there's just so many applications and uh, as much as there is a bigger ethical discussion to be had, I, I think that it's still good for us to leverage those opportunities, especially when it comes to everyday things in our work. I think that it's good for us to work smarter, not harder. I, I think this has been pretty cool, pretty insightful. Yeah, I know we, we probably aren't really in the right pay grade to talk about the ethics of this and go like <laughs> fall down that yeah. rabbit hole. But I think just in terms of like everyday use and things that we're seeing, this is just scratching the surface. I'm curious to hear, I don't know, from our listeners and people engaging with this. Yeah. What are some ways that you've used AI or like you've seen it used in the church space, in ministry space? Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add to today's conversation, Jinha? No, it's been lovely getting to meet you both and have this conversation. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to add, Jesse? No, I'm all good. Thank you very much. I found this really helpful. And I would just say to people, if, you are curious or you don't know where to start, just pick something and mm. and see what it can do for you. There's so many amazing tools out there that can really help our ministry and our work and even our personal life to do it better. So I think the future that we're heading in is an AI assisted future, no matter what which way you slice it, no matter how you feel about it ethically. I just think that 
resisting or not engaging with it is ultimately just going to be detrimental to you personally. I'm not saying that you have to embrace every aspect of this AI future. And we could, yeah, it could be very yeah scary to think about the uh, implications of it on a larger scale. But I will say that this is probably just going to become part of our life from here on out. So may as well get used to it one way or the other. <laughs> I'm not trying to be ominous or prophetic or anything like that. <laughs> really <Again>. not. <laughs> uh, oh, awesome. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jinha. Hey, guys, if you're ever in Melbourne, you should go and check out. Yes. Um, yeah. The Melbourne City Adventist sounds awesome. If people want to connect online, is it, what, should people just check out the website? Is that the best place to go? Yeah, or Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. Awesome. So cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And yeah, if you have any thoughts about using AI and ministry and or just in life, we'd love to hear about it. Like ways that you've used it, ways you've seen it used. Yeah. Let's, like, let's get the conversation going. That is Josh, Jesse and Jinha out. Thank <laughs> you.